from the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, welcome to Homeschooling in Real Life, the podcast. I'm Fletch. And I'm Kendra. As veteran homeschooling parents, we discuss topics that tend to divide and distract Christian homeschoolers from each other and the gospel. On the Homeschooling IRL podcast, we promise to be honest, transparent, and witty as we uncover what it means to homeschool in real life. This is our buzz term is legalism. And we, we like to say you know, legalism is wrong scripturally uh, as well as raise, how we raise our family. If we miss love and we just focus on law, we will have totally missed it. Christ will not will have will look us in the eyes and say, "I never knew you." If you miss love and just focus on the law, that would be a very ugly and hideous family and a very hideous life. I don't, that's a life I don't want to walk. Hey, this is Fletch, and this is Kendra, and we are welcoming you to the fourteenth episode of Homeschooling in Your Life. Hey, that little clip we just heard was Chris Jube, and we're going to be on the phone with Chris and his wife Wendy later in this episode. Yes, and this was a great conversation, Fletch. Talking about love in the house, uh, we're going to share with you a little bit about our story, about how we recovered love in our house, and uh, just going to be kind of all over the map on this topic tonight. So. Stay tuned and uh, enjoy the episode. Hey, we just got back from Nashville, Tennessee, where we had the opportunity to go to the Teach Them Diligently convention. And we want to tell our listeners about what a great opportunity that convention was. It was a lot of fun, and you're not a big convention guy. I, I think maybe this is the second one in 17 years of homeschooling you've gone to. Yeah, and I just want to say that David and Leslie Nunry have done a fantastic job with the Teach Them Diligently convention. I really, really enjoyed myself at this convention. We had the opportunity to uh, go on the convention floor for three days and interview a lot of great families about an upcoming episode for Homeschooling IRL. That was a lot of fun. We grabbed, uh, well, I think we scared a few people, first of all. <laughs> sure. Someone comes up to you with an iPhone in their hand and says, yeah. can I ask you some questions? Right. But we had some great answers. And, you know, essentially we were just asking a question about marriage, and we just had a lot of willing participants. Uh, it's a family conference, a lot of kids there. There were a lot of kids. A ton. We didn't take ours. No. <laughs> So teach them diligently. They have two more conferences, three more conferences coming up this year. They have one in Spartanburg. Yep. They have one in Dallas, and they have one in Washington, D.C. They do. And I will be at the Dallas conference, which is at the end of June. So if you're going to be there, grab me, because we did have that happen when we were on the, the exhibition floor, didn't we? Yeah, if you go on the Facebook page, you'll see pictures of some hurlers that grabbed us. Yeah, that was that was great. I'm so glad she did. So teach them diligently. We're big fans. You're doing a great job. Well, we are back in the studio tonight for a brand new episode, and this is a really fun episode. We are going to be talking about love in the house. We're going to be on the phone with Chris and Wendy Jube. They are a homeschool family of how many kids? They have 16 children. So it's double our number. It is. And I laugh when people think we have this gigantic family because I think, no, you haven't met the Jubes. And they are from Colorado. 
Mm-hmm. They are very involved in speech and debate. Yes. And you can go to chrisjube.com to find out more about them. We had one one little problem with this interview this time. I know. You know, we are uh, we're running on a shoestring budget here at Homeschooling IRL. So if you know anybody that wants to sponsor us, we are taking sponsors. So what we've been doing for our live interviews, which aren't really live, we have been uh, interviewing people through Skype. Yep. And halfway through our Skype conversation, we had a little glitch, and we didn't catch it, and so we lost half of our conversation. Uh, I know. Very big bummer, because it was a truly rich conversation with this couple. Yeah. Much like our conversation last week on our last episode, we felt like we met some kindred spirits. So, Kent, we're talking about love in the house. Yes. I think uh, one of the ways we can talk about this conversation tonight is maybe share... Uh, pull the veil back a little bit on our family okay, and let our listeners hear a little bit more of our story. I think we've talked briefly, maybe in a couple of episodes, but we haven't really told our story that, you know, what God did in our lives to sort of upend, well, to sort of, to really upend our religious behavior and bring us back to what is central, which is Jesus yeah, and just the gospel. Getting, kind of, we've, we've talked before about the term gospel amnesia. Yeah. So maybe a little bit more of that story tonight. And then after our story, why don't we head into the conversation with the Jubes and, well, the half that we have saved. Okay. <laughs> and we'll we'll keep this one a little shorter tonight and uh, maybe have our listeners asking for more because of the way we're going to set this one up. Okay. Okay, so let's let's just start with our story. Maybe that'll be the best way to say how did we find love in the house. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this, but really telling our listeners, we had, uh, we had both come to faith, um, myself in a Christian home and you in high school. And we were following God and we love, you know, love the gospel, love, love the Lord. And we sort of simultaneously got involved with homeschooling our kids for academic reasons, really not spiritual reasons in the beginning. And uh, more and more we were um, struggling with sort of a shallow church culture of the 90s, you know, the big seeker-sensitive, everything was a little bit on the shallow end of things. And so we really dug in and said, what do we believe? Um, That's great. It's so good to know our theology. You wouldn't disagree with me there, I'm sure. No, I think we were actually purposefully defining what it was we believe for the first time in, in our adult lives. Yeah, and that was all a good thing. It took us down a path that for us took us farther away from the cross because we got wrapped up in all of the things that were periphery and not central to the gospel or to our lives. Also coupled with a tendency for us to, to toward good behavior. I mean, you and I were both um, the kids in, in our families that wanted to, uh, you know, I was that last child who needed to prove myself and you were kind of the golden boy. Your, your siblings would say that about you. Sure. <laughs> and so we had the, you know, we already had this natural tendency to want to be the good girl and the good guy. And so, you know, we're kind of wrapped up in all of this religious behavior and doing the right things. And then, bam, I woke up one morning and found our seven week old in a coma. And through that harrowing situation, liver failure, kidney failure, heart damage, brain damage, I stood over him one night in the hospital in the ICU and God, said, Kendra, what are you doing? You are camping on so many issues that aren't me. It's all about me. And so we began to wrestle. 
No. Yeah, and I, I, I would think. Let me just jump in here and say, um, the pursuit of right thinking mm-hmm. and the pursuit of theology. Yeah. Uh, it was good. There was some good stuff that came out of that. Sure. And I would say that our theology became as clear as ice. Mm-hmm. And I've often said it was twice as cold. Yeah. You know, we just yeah. were lacking uh, so many things. Right. From joy to Ugh. peace and, and love. Yeah. But and when- in there, I do remember, I remember driving home one day saying, Lord, you say that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, but this feels like a horrible burden to me. Well, what was we, what was I doing? I was placing it all on myself. It was not stuff that Jesus had placed on me. It was my own good works. It was Jesus plus homeschooling, Jesus plus behaving, Jesus plus having my theology right, Jesus plus <laughs> all of these lifestyle choices we were making. Well, that almost sounds like a book. I know. So then a year la- or six months later, um, I think God wasn't done with us yet. I, uh, accidentally ran over our five-year-old in our driveway with our 12-passenger van. And the the short ending to that is she's alive. And, you know, it's, it ended very, very blessedly favorably. But again, shook me up. And what shook me up most about that situation is that my hope during that whole ordeal was in anything but God. And, and it was really um, shocking when God started to point that out to me, that I was not hoping in him during that situation. So we were wrestling, we were wrestling, we knew we needed to to get out of this stifling behavior-based community we were in, and then bam, what happens? We wake up one morning and find our eight-year-old in septic shock. Yeah, and the funny thing was, I, I feel like I had really figured it out <laughs> at the first hospitalization. I didn't feel I needed these second two examples. Yeah, well, God did not. <laughs> and so we, you know, I thought, it was, she had a ruptured appendix, and I, in my complete ignorance thought, oh, ruptured appendix, you know, it's like tonsils. Well, they'll take them out, it'll be fine, and then we'll go home. And no, actually, she was so messed up that we were in the ICU for three weeks with her, two additional drain placement surgeries, and she likely has is going to have reproductive issues for um, her life. And so, you know, these are huge harrowing experiences within an 18-month period in our lives. And God, in his blessed beauty, just shook us and brought us back to the gospel. Yeah. Now I say, I use the term that I didn't coin, but that I've used. And for some reason, several people have attributed it to me uh, (laughs) as the term gospel amnesia that I stole from someone else. But, you know, this idea that back in high school, when I met Jesus and I heard the gospel for the first time, when I heard the great analogy um, of the gospel shared with me, I, I clung to it. I told people about the gospel. And, you know, during those years where I was pursuing such a fine line theology, what I believed about a lot of really good things. Yeah. So one of the things that happened along the way here was we actually had a a little bit of a crisis in our faith. Yeah, we sure did. The first couple had been in the hospital. uh, We had gotten together with a a very well-meaning spiritual leader and shared with them kind of this conclusion that it was all about Jesus. And and the funny thing was the response is what really shook us awake. And that, if you remember, was just a few nights before we went to the hospital the third time. Yeah. And the response was, well, the problem with saying it's all about Jesus is dot, dot, dot. Now, we share this a little bit in the interview with the Jube, so I'll stop here. But that was maybe the real jarring start of the wake up. 
And then oh, absolutely. one step after another, we just kept waking up. And there were some, there were some tools along the way. We had read some, some good books. We mm-hmm. had been encouraged by some great passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. So this was not just um, health issues in our children mm-hmm. that we abandoned everything. God was slowly drawing us back to himself. Yes. This in was his a God gentle thing. shepherding yeah. way that he does. Yeah. So um, what happened then? We wake up from gospel amnesia mm-hmm. and we just can't get enough of Jesus. Right. And we're also not, that's not accepted where we were in the church and in the community we were in. That was not, n- nobody liked that. So we felt it was, we really needed to make an entire change for our family. And, um, you know, it has changed not only, uh, how we live day to day, but, but how we love our children better. Yeah. So the Jubes talk about love in the house and that's what this episode's about. Uh Uh-huh. What was it for Fletch and Kendra? Well, I think first of all, one of the things that became very clear to me is that I wanted my children to be free to serve God no matter what that looked like. So what that practically meant was that I needed to abandon my little um, ideas of what I thought good Christian kids should look like and do, because maybe God wasn't going to call them to those things. Um, so it was a you know it was a, being able to 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 let go of my grip that was so. Um, stifling on on our older kids in particular and let them be who God had created them to be. So for our listeners that are saying, well, what does that mean? (laughs) Was that clothing? Was that music? Was that movies? Was Mm -hmm. that culture? I I know for me it was was like a, hey, we're going to finally embrace some things Mm -hmm. that we'd been saying no to. Yeah. And... Or not, not just necessarily embrace them because, I mean, certainly there are a lot of cultural things or movies or media or whatever that are, are not uh, beneficial to the believer. And so we wouldn't welcome them in our home, but we weren't afraid of them anymore. We could, we could have these conversations with our older kids and say, do you see how in this movie, this, you know, the message of this is trying to find your worth and your value in anything other than Jesus. You know, we were able to, we were able to have those kind of conversations about freedom in Christ I think the other thing that was big for us, uh, for our listeners, and, and they're going to hear this in almost every episode, was the hope shifting. Yeah. We had put so much hope into homeschooling, into lifestyle, into choices. Into our methods. And we put hope back into Jesus. Yeah. And then the second, the, the direct outpouring of that, I mean, and along the way, we need to let people know, we made a huge church change. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we got into a community that was speaking about things like hope shifting. Mm-hmm. If you go back and listen to an early episode, maybe three or four, you're going to hear us interview Jim Applegate, who's the pastor of our church, who was talking about hope shifting. Yeah. But one of the things I think that was huge for you and for me mm-hmm. was suddenly we had the freedom to be transparent. Yes. And we had the freedom to say, to let our kids see our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And we had the freedom to let other people see our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one of the biggest things that changed. Absolutely. We because didn't have to put up a facade. No. And and prior to that, we were in a community that prized good outward behavior. And um, whether or not they would admit that, that's very, very true. And so what, what that does is it breeds a, an environment that isn't safe to have cracks. 
you know, you, you can't have cracks in your exterior because you were going to be, your children might be shunned from playing with the other kids. That, that happened to our children. But isn't that ultimately what happened to you that night on the way home when you said the yoke is not easy? Yeah, that was the yoke and the burden I'd placed on myself. And that was, we saw that on the faces of women across the church. Oh yeah, miserably burdened women. We're talking about homeschool moms. Right. That mm-hmm. were carrying these burdens. Yep. You couldn't see that A, I thought homeschooling was a buzzkill. Yeah. <laughs> that B, this is hard work. Right. And I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, in some cases, I'm being forced to by my husband. Or I'm going to try so hard to be joyful. Instead of knowing that joy is a fruit of the spirit because you're living in the spirit. On the flip side, we saw men who, you know, you get together and how are things going? Oh, well, you know, everything was always going well. Everything was always going Mm -hmm. good. Oh, my kids were always doing well. Mm -hmm. Family worship was always perfect. Mm -hmm. Great. That very well could have been the case. But I know for a fact that there were plenty of people that it wasn't going well. Yes. The kids were being preparing, were preparing to go off the rails. Yes. So, hey, that's a little bit of our story. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of our awakening. Now, again, Jubes rediscovered love. The Fletchers, we rediscovered the gospel. We're talking the same thing. Yes. Essentially. So why don't we now go to the interview with Chris and Wendy, and uh, let's hear from them. And it's it's going to be a little choppy interview. Uh, excuse some of the edits and cuts, uh, because, again, this was the end of our interview with them, and we were having a lot of fun. So <laughs> I, I am going to edit and cut. Uh, just the the points that were really good uh, for us to listen to tonight. If I could talk with tongues of angels, if I could foretell truth from faithful lies, restore the broken and disabled, see visions in the night like Daniel saw. I know only love is able. I know only love. I have a feeling that when you say this, I mean, I the Fletchers are sitting here across Skype saying. Yes, this resonates with us. We hear you. But I have a feeling when you say this out to other people or in your books, the pushback you're going to get from a lot of people is, hey, you guys sound like the Beatles. It's not just all about love. <laughs> you're missing the, yeah, that's, what was the comment that was made to us? You know, the problem with saying that oh, yeah. is. The problem and, with saying Jesus is, it's all about Jesus is. And that's when we knew we had to leave that church. <laughs> that's when that <laughs> comment was made to us. But it was, you know, the problem with saying that, or the problem with saying that love is everything, is you're missing the whole second half of Romans, where we have to, you know, we have to do, 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 do. So, yeah. you know, is, is that some of the the pushback you get from? Yeah, from saying yeah, we that? could. <laughs> well. I'll let you answer. Yeah, the push- I'll let you answer that one. I yeah, I get that a lot too. People do ask, you know, that that oh yeah, you're just about you're just John Lennon or or uh, uh, or something. All you need is love. Or I I push back on that. But you know, it's kind of a sign of the times that rock stars sing about the greatest commandment more oh. than God's holy church. Uh, that I mean, th- this is this is a problem that we have. Uh, that we like to point to other things other than love and say what the truth is really more important, or or something like that. That love is considered like window dressing based on something that's more concrete and real, and that's not the case. Uh, love is the most important commandment. All the all the commandments hinge on the idea of loving God and loving others. God, Jesus was asked, what's the big kahuna in life? 
what uh, what do I need to do, God or Jesus, to get right with you and to walk the holy walk? Uh, he didn't point to any other work. He just said, love God, love others. That's that's it. Yeah. Um, that's the pushback I give, that, that if you think, dear straw man or whoever you are, uh, if, if you think love is secondary, you, you, are, you are going in the wrong direction. You're actually going the opposite direction of the way God has told you to go. Uh, and so, so take heed of that. I do a little test. Here's a little game I play. Uh, when I love games. I'm ready. I love games. <laughs> we we're invited to churches quite often, and and and, and we do. We we're, we're, we love church. We love we love Christian brothers and sisters, and and really that we're kind of in in, in a Christian bubble. But we uh, we do look at the sermons of churches, and we look at like like every every website has kind of a sermonite page that you can look through the titles of all their their sermons. And I do a little control F on their pages and see how many times love is mentioned in the titles or in the summaries of these talks. Fletch, Kendra, it's embarrassing. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if love is the most important commandment, churches are not talking about it. Wow. And, and, they're, and to a legalist or to someone who doesn't think love is very important, the kickback that they give is like, well, there's all sorts of things you can talk about. Yeah, we could talk about love for a while, maybe one sermon, and then let's get to other stuff. Exactly, exactly the opposite. We could be spilling all of our talk with love. Love is deep and deep, and the more I, the deeper I get into love as a topic, the more I recognize how little I know about it and how much I can explore of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, recently, I had someone say to me, I, I was talking about. Well, I knew this person was a different um, religion than me. And, and, I, and I said, you know, when we get to heaven, we're not going to have separate places for the Baptist and for the uh, Calvinist. You know, we're all just saved. <laughs> and it, we are saved through, you know, the gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ. And she said, yeah, but you need to have your doctrine in order. <laughs> Uh, Jesus yeah. plus your doctrine in order. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, well, that's not going to do me very much good because I don't know a lot about doctrine and <laughs> theology, and I haven't gone to school for that, and I haven't studied it all. But as far as last time I checked, Jesus told the criminal on the cross that he would see him in heaven today. And he wasn't dressed perfectly, and he didn't clean himself up. He wasn't he baptized. Didn't have doctrine in order. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't baptized, and... Uh, Jesus said, I see your heart. You get it. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. in your heart says, yeah, I understand this simple thing. Jesus is the Christ. He, um, he came to seek and find and save the lost. Mm-hmm. And he is our ultimate sacrifice. And if we're willing to understand and accept that, we get in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> simple. Well, we, uh, you know, it's just so, so fun to talk to people, and we're going to have, you know, these kind of three weeks in a row where we're going to hear similar stories of people, uh, like I said, rediscovering, waking up, all these. So, h- how about um, with a big family like ours? We came to these kind of, we woke up about three years ago, which I think was just in time for our oldest one not to have been out. You know, like we didn't raise him through this thinking, his whole homeschooling. I mean, we had a couple years with him where we said, hey, we're, 
we're sorry, we figured this stuff out, and and that. But he he can still look back and say he's struggling. Yeah, those yeah. little kids have it so much better yeah. than I do, you know, because they're being raised in a house that's saturated and seeped in the gospel. I mean, they're yeah. being told. Um, I mean, they're being taught Jesus plus nothing. Uh, they're being taught <laughs> clothing didn't matter. Uh, yeah, and so do you. Do you guys have similar? Do you have older kids that are looking back saying? Hey. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's let's let me explain a little bit our family background because we have two older children now, thirty and twenty-eight, uh, and uh, they were Wendy's children. I adopted them after we got married. Uh, we were uh, uh, they were six and four when I came into their lives, and uh, so we we really almost cut our teeth on them. We did cut our teeth. I mean, we we really made a yeah. lot of we, we failed in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, we did the best we could, of course, every parent does. Uh, but by the time they were adults, we had already made a lot of mistakes on them. Mm-hmm. I think every parent has that kind of story that they just owe their oldest child a, a big, huge apology and a yeah. hug. And say, you know, we're really sorry. But, you know, God is good. We uh, The next child now, our third child, is now 21 years old. And and she's much more mature, um, or or I guess I guess we we just did, we had a second chance. That's what we had, mm-hmm. and and so we raised a second bunch of children much differently in a house of grace, in a house of love, uh, and and the understanding of who they are was much more important than who we were as parents. Yeah. Uh, so so they and they're now they're a lot of fun. Uh, boy is. I mean, when the teenagers come home after a big party that they've been to or something, it just there's just a huge burst of life in the house, and uh, and we have a lot of younger children too are being raised in that love loving environment. Uh, it's it's a I would say it's a much better life than a than a rigid conformity type based on works and and good works of of, of whatever kind. Uh, that kind of life is not the life of joy that we have now with this second and third batch of kids that we're raising in love. Yeah, because it was seven or eight years ago that we really got a hold of the the love gospel yeah. mm-hmm. and started implementing it immediately into mm-hmm. our family. And so now she's 21, you know, so how old was she when... When we when we did that, and so you know, it she she loves to tell about that too because she <laughs> says that she she feels you know like there was just this ah, relax, mm-hmm. relax and be yourself. And I I tell my kids all the time, God made you so unique and so perfect, and you have all these amazing gifts, and I don't know what they are, mm-hmm. but I can't wait to see what you're going to do and how far you're going to go. I want you to be the best you that you can be. Very cool. So, all right. Now we have listeners that are listening and they're saying, Oh man, listen to the jubes. Those are words of life. Mm. We're not there. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're listening to, well, maybe they're not listening to homeschooling in real life. They probably, (laughs) all right. So, so save someone gave them a CD of this to listen to. And so you need to listen to this. You got, you got to listen to this. And they're, they're sitting there in their denim jumper and you know, maybe they've got all kids, all the kids are around the table, you know, with their hands folded and uh, they're like, wow, we need these words of grace. Um, 
how can they, you know, how can they connect with you? I, I know you have some some books written. Uh, there's obviously some websites, but they say, you know, we need to hear more of this. This little conversation on homeschooling in real life wasn't enough. We need some more. Yeah. How can well, they connect I, with you guys? Well, we are, we have our own website, which mm-hmm. is com. And then we are both on Facebook. We're very active on Facebook, just as Wendy Jube and Chris Jube. Chris has several things. Uh, well, I have, a lot, I have a blog, too, chrisjube.com. And we have a ministry that we run for homeschoolers. It's really for homeschool speech and debate. Uh, but uh, I would encourage the family that's listening here is to, to really do what perhaps we criticized the church before of not doing is to pour yourself into a study of love. Uh, when we started rediscovering love, we we worked through scriptures, and, and it's almost like we read through scriptures with this love lens and saw how much Jesus spoke about love. God is love. I mean, just, just a, a, a humble understanding that love is the most important thing is, uh, is a great start. Uh, you had mentioned Fletch. We, yeah, we have a book called Love in the House. We keep going back to that book, even though the book is, was published in 2007. You can get it on Kindle now and everything. Mm-hmm. But the idea was that placing the greatest commandment back in your house and making sure that that remains a central aspect of everything that you do. Uh, so I would say Love in the House is a, is a good read uh, for that person who's on that journey of rediscovering love. Um, Gosh, I don't know. We, we should come out with more books and more resources. <laughs> I know. We just need a little more time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, more time. We're busy raising our own. We, we're trying, mean, we're we trying st- to figure it out ourselves. You we know? still have eight children that are 12 and under. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. That's, that's Ooh. Well, that's great. Um, any last questions you want to talk to a little bit about what we're seeing? Just get their response back. I... I, and just, you know, one thing I wanted to say, uh, the, the quote I had on TV was, I don't have the nicest yard in the neighborhood. Oh. <laughs> I'm not doing yards. Yes. I'm doing kids. I love yeah. that. That was great. It's stuck with me all these years. So when, when maybe well, one... thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. And I think it's so easy in an age, especially of, I always say, I always, you know, blame Pinterest, but in an age of the, you know, magazines and the good grief. Last night I was in a hotel room with my daughter in San Francisco for her birthday and we, I was watching the White House Christmas. See, I told I you there's a White House Christmas show. <laughs> she asked me if I watch it. I don't watch this show. <laughs> White House Christmas. <laughs> the White House Christmas. And, you know, we women, we watch these things or we see these things online or these blogs or whatever. And now all of a sudden we can't reach that standard. And I have to remind myself, I'm not creating a White House Christmas. I'm raising children. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I don't need a Martha Stewart home. I'm raising children. <laughs> so yes, that's a great so line. It, part of the one of the problems I've seen with uh, having more freedom and and not being so overbearing and those kinds of things is my house is messy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, this year we saw a lot of houses burn down. There was over five hundred houses that burned oh. down across the highway. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in a huge forest fire. Yeah, we're in Colorado, so that, that the Black Forest Fire is literally just, just miles over. away from us, so we wow. can see yeah. the smoke and everything. And, and as I watch people on Facebook speak about their homes being gone, everything gone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they got out with their lives, and mm-hmm. that is what matters. Yeah. And I thought, you know, do I really need to pour a ton of money into new light fixtures? Do I really need this and that in my house? I mean, is that that loss of the house? I don't want the house to be what sets me, you know, down, 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 because I did and I did and I did and I did. For, I, I want it to be my family. Mm-hmm. It's about my family, and I'm trying to raise children i'm not trying to have a martha stewart house Mm -hmm. yeah oh i know what it was um you had a recent thread on facebook chris and i don't remember what i think it was the one where you said you 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 dared to say that there are people who are interested in homeschooling but won't do that because of the community you know right yeah Yeah. and and People were defensive and whatnot, you know, and and I said, oh, remind me to tell you something, and it was this. um, We have a problem. If if I am the only person at a state convention that that these people heard that even mentioned the gospel, our homeschool movement is has a huge problem. And and I was driving I'm driving home and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I was just about feeling like I was at the end of being able to impart anything else. Like, you know, I've been blogging on this topic for so long, or I've been, you know, speaking at all these California, you know, conventions for so long. Like, how much more could I possibly say, you know? And I was kind of feeling Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe it's time to just sort of walk away. And it was like at that moment, God said, no, no, I have you in this environment with the experience you had of being part of the environment to remind people that, this homeschool thing is not what's going to save their kids. That it's a great tool, and you know I'm so and I say it now in every single workshop or every talk I give. I am so glad we chose to homeschool, but this is a gift and a tool. It is not our children's salvation. Jesus is our only salvation. But if I'm the only person saying that, you guys, something is wrong. Something is mm-hmm. gravely wrong in the homeschool movement. Yes, and we feel the same thing. We really do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I appreciate what you said, Kendra, too, because uh, there's this group of, of homeschoolers. They they have a website, Homeschoolers Anonymous. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, they, I, I've well, there's a couple of things I find encouraging about that website because it does appear to be a website that it's it's where a lot of young people, young adults, really are complaining about their parents or have kind of this vent uh, uh, emotionally about their abuse or whatever, and who knows if uh, there could be some false stories on there too. It's just an open forum for them. Uh, But a couple of things I find encouraging there is that one is that a lot of parents are reading those things. Uh, I see a lot of comments from parents. I've commented on a few of those, not in a harsh tone like you should be corrected in such and such a way, but as a, you know, I'm really sorry uh, that this type of teaching method was something I boasted about when my kids were older, and now they're actually growing up and speaking out against it and saying, you know what, this hurt me mm-hmm. in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm, I find it encouraging that parents are, are doing some self-analysis here now that, their parent, now that their kids are grown up 
and they have other kids to deal with or grandchildren to deal with, they want to do this parenting thing a bit better. Mm. Uh, the second thing I find encouraging about it is that the leaders of this website are academic speakers and debaters. Now, that's my life. That's my day job. Mm-hmm. That's what I do as I yeah. do speech and debate camps, and I train these young people to be thinkers, speakers, and persuaders. They're very articulate. They know exactly how to say something truthfully, accurately, punctually. And and that is encouraging because these aren't dummies who are who are just spooning all over the internet like a like a like like angry young people would do. Uh, they might be angry, they may be edgy, but they aren't they aren't wasting our time with mm-hmm. their with their words. Uh, we can learn a lot from them. And so kind of like a second generation of homeschooling and this guest that you're going to have on, or maybe some other guests that you have on. They're not necessarily throwing out homeschooling out the window and saying that's stupid and I'm I'm rebelling against that. Mm-hmm. They are rebelling at things that maybe, perhaps, if we open up our hearts and minds, are worth rebelling against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I we talk a lot about this is our buzz term is legalism, and we we like to say legalism is wrong scripturally. Uh, as well as b- b- raise how we raise our family. If we miss love and we just focus on the law, we will have totally missed it. Christ will not will have, will look us in the eyes and say, "I never knew you." If you miss love and just focus on the law, that would be a very ugly and hideous family and a very hideous life. I don't, that's a life I don't want to walk. Um, and I see that that as the silver lining to this uh, to this website. I know these kids who are on there because they were raised in academic speech and debate. And and a couple of them I know very personally. And I I have to say, I love them. I can say that. I love them, even though they're very crass and very hard. Uh, maybe their hearts are hard in certain, certain areas. I feel like I, I have compassion for their message and their stories. And I want to learn more from them. Uh, another friend of mine. That's at the same time, I have a lot of friends who are who are very much entrenched in a legalistic life, and and some of them are homeschool leaders. And I went out to coffee with one of them, who's really, really entrenched in legalism, and that's, that's what he believes. And he was challenging me on how I was interacting with these kids. <laughs> he was saying, "Like you, you shouldn't be giving them attention. I shouldn't be mentioning their website, and I shouldn't Aww. be linking to them." And so I said, "You know what?" I don't know if they're standing on my shoulders or digging my grave. I don't know. But you know what? I love these kids, and I and I am listening to their message, and I'm growing while I listen to them, and I'm becoming a better person myself based on their stories that they're sharing about how they were raised in the first generation of homeschooling. I see hope in that, that the second generation of homeschooling will become even better and bigger, and we will do away with the bad stuff, and we will bring in more of the good stuff. And that, to me, is a hopeful message, and I'm I'm really encouraging this dialogue with young people. Yeah, Yeah. and that's part of what we talked about this morning. We just said there's this next generation. They're not coming at it from a Christian perspective. We have a bunch of dissatisfied families in america that are just going to start homeschooling and if yeah. they're if they're building this wall saying well we're not like the wacky christian homeschoolers um i want to be the guy that's up on the wall going hey we're not all wacky some of us wear bob marley shirts you know and 
baggy <laughs> pants, but um. But it's going to be an. I don't think God is really shaking it up. God's shaking yeah. things up. The feedback we've been getting is thank you for finally being real. <laughs> saying what yeah. I'm thinking. Saying what I'm thinking. Like, I can't say this to my spouse. I can't say this in my homeschool co-op. Yeah, it's um, funny how many how how many people have replied and said I can't I can't say what you're saying to the other homeschoolers in my group, you know I right. can't I can't admit you know that that I, I, can't that I don't that like my, it yeah, some or that days my kid or, left. Yeah, I can't say uh-huh. oh my kid yeah. bailed because I'm too embarrassed. It didn't work out the way it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's yeah. our testimony, Fletch, and that that really is that that is our testimony of about seven or eight years where that story's been told. It was on national television that we were estranged from our oldest daughter. Yeah, uh, and and that came out, and we actually wrote the book in response to the show, and uh, and and it it turned out to be a beautiful story of reconciliation and 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 all that. I, let me tell you a story. This is the story of the we went to a homeschool conference in Minnesota. And we're talking about love and all that stuff. And Wendy was huddled with this lady and getting into this deep conversation. And she was a lady in the Demon and Jumper. And I think she had a head covering and stuff. And she was talking about her prodigal child. And uh, she said something to Wendy that I think was profound. She said to Wendy, she goes, yeah, but I hear your story, Wendy. And I'm trying trying to relate it to my story. I think my story is different because, is what she said, because my daughter, unlike your daughter, is not walking with the Lord. And I I can't remember if we, I've jumped in or something like that, but the, maybe Wendy said, it's his, it's, when did I ever say my oldest daughter was walking with the Lord? Mm. She goes, well, I just assumed. She goes, no, no, no. She's not walking with the Lord. I still love her. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I still reach out to her. I still meet her where she's at. And she... She and I still com- connect where we can connect, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I'm waiting for her to come to Jesus before we can have that relationship. Yes, exactly. And that's bingo to that young mom is that she was holding on to this, I need you, daughter, to be walking in a certain way for me to love you. That's not the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're called to do. That actually... That's very pharisaical, and and we are told not to wait for them to have everything correct before we can accept them into our hearts and our lives. Well, Jubes, thanks very much for being online with us. It was great to talk with you. Uh, we loved hearing your words of grace and your words of love. And um, for our listeners, uh, you know how to connect with them. We'll have some links in our show notes on how to find their websites and how to find uh, what they've written. Uh, but Chris and Wendy, God's blessings to you, and uh, thanks for uh, spending some time on homeschooling in real life. Hey, thank you, Fletch and Kendra. Appreciate you. you guys. Thank you so much. Wow, that was a fun, fun interview with Chris and Wendy. They are a great couple, and I, I, <laughs> I hope we can talk to them again. Hey, you know, one of the things he mentioned was a website called Homeschoolers Anonymous. Yes. And it's a, a website, maybe a, a gathering of ex-homeschoolers, kids who have uh, come out and maybe said some things 
about homeschooling that weren't so positive. No, and really struggling through um, the negative experiences they had growing up. And I think, you know, there are homeschoolers who are uh, opposed to that because I think they feel threatened, but these kids uh, have a valid voice as well. Now, in light of that, mm-hmm. next week, mm-hmm. probably, this is an episode you're not going to want to miss, <laughs> and you are going to want to copy and send to homeschoolers that do not know about homeschooling in real life, because we are going to get very, very real on our next episode. We are. We have a young man in our community that we have known for many years who uh, has pretty much stepped away from his faith. Mm-hmm. And well, we're just going to leave the rest up. Let me just tell you, it's it's a crazy interview, <laughs> and it's going to require some very delicate editing by me to get it <laughs> to where I can play it on the air. Well, he is one of the most gracious young men I have been around in a long time, and he uh, intrigues me because he has walked away from so many things he was raised with, but he loves homeschooling. So he is going to be talking to us about what he loves about homeschooling, but but all of the flaws that he sees as well, which is a valid and interesting interview. Yeah, so we are willing to go down this path. We're willing to have this conversation with this kid. And uh, we're willing to just kind of lay bare uh, some of the, the problems he's seen in homeschooling. Yeah. Whether or not we agree with him, we're giving him the opportunity to voice his concerns. Right. And um, yeah, so be prepared for this one. This is a great one coming up. So uh, thanks for turning in tonight. We want to give a shout out now to uh, two listeners that we met on the convention floor at Teach Them Diligently in Nashville, they came up and said, we're hurlers, we're hurlers. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Brian and Mandy, we want to... Brian wanna, and Mandy, yeah, hey, There's a shout out. And uh, you can go on the facebook.com slash homeschoolingirl page, and you can see a picture we took with them. And uh, we just want to thank you for listening and hope that uh, you're enjoying the show. Hey, if you want to reach us, go to our website at... Homeschoolingirl.com. If they want to tweet to us, our handle is... At Homeschool IRL. And if they want to talk to us on Facebook, which is where there's a lot happening, mm-hmm. it's... Homeschooling IRL. Facebook.com slash Homeschooling IRL. Yeah. So uh, catch us, catch up with us there. Hey, Fletch. Yes. We're also on Google+. Plus. Oh. Oh, yes. And Google. Pinterest. Oh. <laughs> wow. So we are social all over the place. We've got you covered. But we do want to hear from you. So let us know. Is there a topic you want us to touch on? Is there something we've talked about already that you want us to talk more about? I, we, we keep hearing a lot about boys and girls. Yeah, we do. Being two of our most popular. But uh, there's something we want to let you know. We are just shy right now mm-hmm. of a thousand downloads of Homeschooling is a Buzzkill. Our most popular episode. We would love to see that go over the top. So... Tell your friends, tell others, homeschoolingirl.com. Tell them to start uh, downloading all. We'd love to see that one pop over a thousand. <laughs> we'll have a party. Maybe there'll be a giveaway. Maybe. Yes. yes. Awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. The Homeschooling IRL podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more information on this episode, to find other homeschooling podcasts, or to make contact with your hosts, please go to our website at homeschoolingirl.com.